0: This is your daily real estate syndication show, and I'm your host, Whitney Sewell. Today is a highlight show that's packed with value from different guests around a specific topic. Don't forget to like and subscribe, but also go to lifebridgecapital.com where you can sign up to start investing in real estate today. I hope you enjoy the show. Our guest is Debbie Boyd. Thanks for being on the show, Debbie.
1: Hi, thanks so much for having me.
0: Okay. Let's focus on that a little bit as far as an investor, you know, looking for their first deal or types of financing that they should be thinking about right now. I, mean, I know lots of listeners are still, they're looking for that first deal and they're wanting, you know, that first deal is so important and financing is such a big piece of it. I know, you know, financing can just make or break a deal, right? I mean, depending on what what type of financing.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I'm an investor myself, so I buy and flip properties and I buy properties and I've held them and Right now, I I took out a hard money loan a couple years ago to buy a little house and we tore off the roof. We added an extra 1500 square feet and now it's up for sale. It's almost finished. And that was a hard money loan. So those rates are going to be in the nines. You take what you can get and there's a lot of different ways to do it. There's a, a construction loan that you can get. You just buy a regular loan, a 30 year fixed rate mortgage on a like a duplex or a fourplex or a single family. And then you're going to need your cash to make improvements. There is one loan out there. The thing is, if you're an investor, you don't buy it as your primary. And FHA has a loan product that you can do some rehab on, but you have to have it as your primary. So I know a lot of people build up their investment portfolio by going house to house to house as their primary. So you buy something, you move in it, you fix it up, then you sell it and you do it all again. That way you're always borrowing money, at least at the lowest rates.
0: Okay. So can you speak to that construction loan a little bit? I think that's a popular thing that people need when they're getting into the business. But then you mentioned you know you need your cash to make improvements. And tell me a little bit, of, or let's talk about that just a little bit.
1: Sure. So FHA has a program, a 203K, I believe it is. I don't do that many of them because it's, their requirements are kind of hard. So if you buy an FHA house, it has to be a primary and you have to call it your primary. So you've got to live there. And a lot of people don't like to do construction loans when they live there.
0: Is there a certain length of time you have to live there?
1: No, but you just have to buy it as your primary. So you have to either take whatever you're living in now and call it an investment and move there. You know, FHA is pretty tough. They're going to make sure you're going to change your address and do your stuff that you're really moving in there. And then you have to provide them when you first get the loan, you have to also provide them with a set of plans and what are you going to do to it. If it's just lipstick, if it's just wallpaper, paint, new cabinets, you've got to have an estimate and they have to approve that estimate, has to come from a real builder that they can vet. So the problem for most of my clients is if they buy a house like that, they're going to fix it up themselves. And this loan doesn't allow for that. So you'd have to hire a contractor, you'd have to, they'd have to have insurance. And so it's a bigger process. Most of my people that want to buy a house, live in it and fix it up and flip it, they want to do all the work themselves. And so they simply can't qualify.
0: Okay. So what about, you know, multifamily properties or, you know, something you know, if I'm looking at say a four or fiveplex, you know, I know, you know, one's going to be residential, one's going to be commercial. You know, maybe you could to talk about that.
1: Yeah. So if you buy a fourplex, you can still buy a fourplex on a one time, like a primary. If you're gonna live in one of the units and you're going to renovate the other ones. If you buy it strictly as an investment, the way it works is you buy the property, you're putting 25% down at current date. With COVID, it's really put a kibosh on a lot of transactions because what used to be 20% down is now 25. What used to be a 680 credit score is now 700. Or, you know, we used to get into houses at 620 and a lot of lenders have upped their FHA loans to 640. But as a broker, I'm signed up with a lot of different companies, so I can still go down in the fives. They're just called Alt-A loans, and not every bank has them. I had a client in last week that she was denied at one of the bigger banks, and it was because her score was 613. But I can do those all day long. So you just have to know where to look. If you buy a fourplex and you put your 25% down, you're going to need to also have money set aside for the, the construction of it, the improvements. Remember, you're going to do that after you buy it, and there is really not a way to roll that into the loan. So you either have to have an equity line of credit at your bank, or you have to have the cash to do it. So right now, of course, cash is king. So if you have cash, then you you can do it yourself. You can hire subcontractors that aren't licensed. But if you are putting that into some type of loan that a bank has to approve, everybody has to be approved. So it's really cash is what you're using to fix it up.
0: So what happens then if we are going to finance a fiveplex, you know, or something larger? How's that loan change?
1: So a commercial loan right now, a lot of them are asking for 30% down instead of the 20% down they used to, and your investors have to have financials. So yes, you can buy it as a person, but you can also buy it as an LLC if you've, made an LLC. That's a commercial loan. Anything over a four unit is a commercial loan. So they also vet your company. Certain banks don't require any seasoning on your LLC and you have to have Mm -hmm. money in your LLC. So that means you, when you're first setting up the company, you're going to deposit money in that account for the LLC and they're going to have to see money in there to make you legit. Then they go on vetting you. So they have to see, are you the primary sole contributor and owner of the LLC, or are there other people in play? I've got a lot of clients that have gone in with siblings or business associates and they make an LLC. They all throw money in the pot, and they think that LLC is going to be able to survive on its own merit because it's brand new. No, they've got to pull financials from all four people or all two people, whoever makes up the LLC, because an LLC is less than two years old, they want financials on everybody. It's got no track record. So I'm afraid that, you know, most investors don't know all these things. They get all excited to buy a property and then they find out that that they haven't had the company long enough and they have to go hard money at that point.
0: So could we buy it, say, you know, in contract with an established entity and then have a new entity that we put that property in when we close?
1: No, it has to be vetted. So if it goes through the bank, you can't flip it. You can only flip a property What most of my deals go, it's their personal name and they buy it as an investment property, but they're just stopping at fourplexes. They're not ever doing commercial stuff. Because once you stay commercial, you have to stay commercial. Once you buy it as an individual, like I could buy something as Debbie. And then when I close and it funds and I own it now, I can, on paper, move it into an LLC. So the liability goes into the LLC, but the LLC has no track record. It has no money in it. It's just kind of an empty shell. So I have to buy it in my personal name. You get a much better interest rate when you buy in your personal name. Commercial loans can be 5 and 6%. When you buy something like a fourplex in your personal name, you're down at 4%. Underwriting is much easier. So people buy it. You've got to be a real established LLC to buy commercially. And most okay. people don't mm-hmm. know that. So they just start out the paperwork and they think they fund it. They put 100000 in the account. They're good to go. No, they've got to have a track record.
0: What does that track record look like? What does that consist of? Is it just doing numerous
1: deals or, you know? It's having money in the bank. It's having them pay rent. It's having rental checks come into that bank account. It's to show that they're real, that it's just not a friend for something else. So I think half of the the legitimacy is not money laundering. And the other half is just knowing that they have the money behind it. So- The more properties you buy, the more you have to have in savings in a 401k or an IRA or cash to qualify. So you always have to show with your rental properties that you've got six months of principal interest taxes and insurance for every property. So it's easy for the first one. The second one, it gets a little tougher. And by the time you've got 10 properties, you've got to have a lot of cash behind you or you don't get to buy the next one because it all adds up every step of the way. You've got to have six months of every single rental you have saved up. Not that you have to have it liquid, but you have to have it. It can be invested in mutual funds or an IRA, but you still have to have it somewhere that they can see it so that if you... Something happened like this, which no one ever thought would happen, this pandemic. People can't pay rent. How many months can you go and float without being bankrupt yourself? If you have no cushion, you're going to go under yourself. So the banks have added those requirements ongoing just to make sure you have enough and you don't turn upside down.
0: Our guest is Eric Johnson. Thanks for being on the show, Eric. Hey Whitney, thanks for having me. Why don't we talk a little bit about just you know debt strategies and and just how they align with different types of investment niches?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So I'll try to make this super concise and and just super digestible. If we're just talking in you know investor financing here, I mean, let's look at the main strategies, right? You have you know, fix and refi, or it, we fix refi and hold, which is you know essentially burr, right? And then you also have five plus. So 5-plus units or multifamily. And at that point, it's a different game in terms of the debt. So let's tackle the fix and sell and fix and hold, since that's probably what 90% of investors are doing, right? On on 1-4 to unit, that's the the asset. So for for fix and sell, right? You have essentially fix and flip loans, right? That's short-term bridge lending. That's a percentage of the acquisition and you get your construction, right? That's what enables you to do deals. And then whether you... External investors for the equity piece is kind of, you know, it's a non-factor. But that's where the debt is coming from, right? So, if you're an investor who wants to flip, that's what it is. It's a, it's a probably 12 month bridge loan, 80 percent acquisition, 100 construction, and then that's what keeps your business, you know, rolling from a debt perspective for a fix and refi. So, for a bird deal, you're going to have two pieces, and this is why it's a little more complicated than just a fix and flip because the fix and flip only has one debt what I call stage, right? For for any deal that has a refi, you have two debt stages, right? You have the you have the initial front end, which is the acquisition, which will still be a bridge loan, right? Because you still need to fix the property. And on the refi side, now you need to make sure that your LTVs line up with with your payoff and, and the market value of the property, right? So on the refi side, you're gonna be looking at probably if you're an investor who can't go conventional, Probably an asset-based commercial loan, right? Based on the debt coverage ratio of the property, and that's going to be the two debt stages for bird deals. And I I advise investors keep your payoff to seventy percent of your ARV. Some people push it to seventy-five. I don't usually like to advise on seventy-five, just because it can be tougher. It can eliminate some of your options, especially with a situation like COVID. If a shift in the marketplace this happens, you want to make sure you're you're protected. But roughly, that's you know that's kind of if you're a smaller investor on one to four unit properties, those are your kind of your your end games for for debt. Yeah, just a very brief overview.
0: Yeah, and I, you know I think most of the listeners are going to be doing that. The five units or more, they're going to be in larger commercial real estate. You know, and looking for obviously agency debt or, or bridge debt for larger properties or different things like that. What about as they are are looking for debt right now you know just with covid and everything that's happened could you just speak to to that listener right now who's who's trying to get into uh, to the syndication business they're looking for debt what are their challenges going to be right now in the current market with covid everything that's happening
2: yeah absolutely if if you're a syndicator if you're experienced or syndicator listening there's a lot of moving parts right now one is leverage in the marketplace has significantly decreased because secondary market investors are really skittish and therefore reducing liquidity in the secondary market. So, where those dollars were really flowing, you know, pre COVID, they're not really even Freddie and Fannie are at 75 and they were 80% all day, you know, before COVID. So, you need to be careful on what leverage you're anticipating. And then the second part is. How you're structuring your deals from an investor standpoint, and making making sure that that's clear, especially in in a saturated like this. I know a lot of my a lot of my clients are they're not winning deals. They're they're submitting offers, and there's just four other offers on on the property, especially for multifamily. So going back to the the entity structure, you know, making sure you have all of your LPs and and external investors in line, making sure that that deal structure is clear from the beginning. So there's no time wasted because depending on that structure and how you set up your, your entity and how you set up your investors within that that entity, usually single asset entity, then it'll play into the underwriting of the deal. And, and you may need to switch something. That's why it's the best idea to get it sorted out at the beginning. And I see a lot of syndicators run into that issue where they're scrambling, trying to figure out their, their LP or their investor structure just because... You know there's some things that that came up in the process which is which is normal but I mean that's why you need to stay you need to stay flexible
0: so let's talk about this a little bit you know you talked about how leverage has decreased you know and how uh, Freddie and Penny are now at seventy five percent you know what will that typically do to a deal is that going to kill you know most deals uh you know how do you see that on the lending side um, you know what are how does that uh how are there what are those barriers and how do we overcome them
2: yeah, so I wouldn't say the five percent knack in, in leverage is in it, in it, in and it of itself a deal killer, right? Because you can still just raise that five percent equity. Like that's that's not a big issue. Really, the issue is even on agency debt right now. There's COVID reserves, right? So that's the big thing. So before, um, obviously, pre-COVID, there was no such thing as, as COVID reserves. Usually, you know, you have your net worth, your liquidity requirements, but. Right now, they, they're actually having, you know, uh, sponsors escrow maybe six months of PNI in additional, you know, in addition to cash to close. Um, so you're, the borrowers are coming in with pretty much, you know, more more equity, um, and in some cases it can be nine months. Um, and I know it, as of a couple months ago, it was PITI as well, six months PITI, and then some people are like, well. You know, depending on the size of the deal, right? If it's a large loan amount, that, that could be a decent sum of money. So, um, people, and, you know, sponsors were were kind of backing off, and they're like, "Oh, this deal is not, you know, not too good." Um, but so they 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 kind of pulled the plug. But as far as rates go, I mean, obviously great rates, but it's just you know getting over those reserve requirements. So that's really another key thing that if you're a syndicator in this market and you you want to do you want to do deals know, just expect some kind of additional liquidity or you know reserve requirements on top of you know everything.
0: What's been the process, or what you've seen up to this point of getting those reserves back? The
2: agencies are, are, are essentially holding that in an escrow account, right? And from what I information that that they've put out, um, uh, actually publicly, is when the COVID reserves kind of back off, the borrowers, the sponsors are going to have to request those funds. Um, back. So if it was a COVID specific, you know, escrow account or requirements um, of, you know, for the loan in the loan docs at funding when those are, you know, uh, backed off in in the future whenever that is, then the sponsors are going to have to go back and, you know, essentially reach out and and say, "Hey, this is my property is operating at, you know, 95% occupancy, we're we're, we're good. The COVID, you know, guidelines have have backed off. I would like to request you know, um, my, my, my funds back from, from this specific account. And that's usually how, how you would do it. That's the most direct way.
0: Okay. So we, we got to go, we don't, we got to request that. I like how you mentioned there, you know, represent ourselves well. This, I mean, this is the properties operating this, this well. This is what's happened over the last year. This is our occupancy, all those things. Uh, so we can just bolster why they should uh, refund the reserves, right? Or give those back to us so we can use those or distribute them back out to investors as well uh, if it's, you know, if we didn't need that uh, at the moment. And so... You talked also about like structuring, how the importance of structuring the deal correctly and clear from the beginning. Could you elaborate on that? What does that mean exactly to the lender, uh, you know, as far as, you know, structuring it clear from the beginning?
2: It's going to depend on which program the asset or the deal falls into, right? Because obviously, if you're going to go, you know, something like agency versus CMBS, CMBS is a little more lax, I guess, is the right is the right word, right? And that's that's usually the 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 tier below um, you know, something like like agency. Um agency is gonna be more strict. You're gonna have to follow you know all you know what what, what they require and, and you you know usually it's a it's a single asset entity. Um and and if you have outside you usually have an LLC just for holding the investors, right? So you don't usually put yourself in you know, as as a member of the LLC, and then slap in your twenty investors, you know as 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 members. You usually have you know one LLC that's maybe you and a you know you and another general partner, and then you have another LLC in which all of the other LPs are in, and then the LLC that you and your your other general partner are in, own, you know that it's it's within it's contained within the, the LP LLC is contained within the GP LLC, so to say. Which is the G, but the GP LLC is the title holder. So that's that's generally a clean, acceptable way to you know to to do it. Obviously, it's going to you know going to to to, to depend. But um, that's that's a pretty clean way to just keep everything nice and, and in its own separate you know domain. So to say, so there's no crossover confusion.
0: What are a couple ways that you've seen people get creative uh, with lending to just help explode their growth?
2: really value add right so syndicators are all about value add so in in you know my experience in, in, in funding these deals really it's it's going after um, bridge debt at the beginning so if if the, if the sponsor really identifies a good value add asset and there's a lot of potential for upside you can definitely come in with a bridge you know a bridge loan at you know 75 uh, LTV and maybe 100 percent construction. Right? so it's essentially going to be like a bird it's going to be like a bird deal but for you know multifamily if you want to think of it like that right just, you're essentially fixing it rehabbing it stabilizing it and, um, and refinancing so if you're you know if you're a syndicator listening to this if you can really use bridge debt creatively in addition to a, an equity raise right and, and by putting those two together you can really come into a deal um, very strong. Um, and by the time that you know you, you you fix up the property and hopefully underwrite conservatively, you still have a lot of upside to capture. Um, but once the property is you know stabilized, once you once you re, you know refi and, and hold it, um, you you should be able to, to to capitalize on you know even a cash out refi uh, and you know disperse some of that equity back, um, and obviously lower lower your rate and um, and get better terms on it. So. Um, but again, you know, on the, on the value add side, it's still going to be, you know, probably a, a 12 to 24 month bridge loan, depending on how big the project is, right? If it's a 50 unit building and needs, you know, a million bucks in, you know, capex, then, you know, we'll, we'll probably shoot for, for a 24 month initial plus, you know, some six month extensions here and there.